I think it was the Dalai Lama, his heart math or heart, the energy that his heart puts out goes several Ks. And it's been studied more and more with the Heart Math Institute that you can influence someone. If someone works on themselves and their heart grows bigger, obviously that the energy and stuff they put out, it influences a lot of people. So don't think necessarily everyone has to do it. But I do know that the ripple effect from someone doing the work is amazing and how it shifts. So I think the more people that are open to it and then their collectiveness and their consciousness raising raises the consciousness of everyone. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Download the app today. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, I have a beautiful guest returning to the show, the amazing Brendan Giebel. He's the founder of Advanced Men's Development. He trains, coaches, and guides our beautiful men through life-changing programs, courses, and events. AMD is focused on helping men regain their personal power and excel in all areas of life. And in this week's show, you will get to hear why he does what he does and the reason why he's so passionate about helping to change this generational conditioning of what our men could and will be. After struggling himself in his early 20s and being one decision away from ending it all, this beautiful soul spent six years climbing out of a dark hole. He then went on to study as a master practitioner of NLP, timeline therapy, hypnosis, conversation therapy, advanced hypnotherapy, breathwork, and meditation. He now has the processes to help others create rapid transformation in their own lives and is leading the way for men and women to become the most successful versions of themselves. Brendan has also helped people free themselves from things like drug addictions, negative thought patterns, unconscious self-sabotage, behaviors that crush themselves, self-doubt, and low confidence, as well as helping them move through PTSD, childhood abuse, anxiety, chronic pain, and depression. He also has helped with weight loss, anger issues, fear, shyness, to name a few. He is driven and motivated as, as an individual with a massive heart, someone who has a big goal of building the number one training facility for personal development, health, fitness, and wellness in Australia, and personally has a goal to impact the lives of 10 million Australians. He's not a stranger to the show, but I know you're going to love how far he's come in the last few years, and it is with an absolute pleasure and delight that I bring to you this amazing being. You can follow him on all the socials and all his beautiful links will be in the show notes for you. In particular, I invite you to look at his one-day, three-day events for men, which I know are changing lives. This is a perfect gift, either a birthday, Christmas, anniversary, present, anything for our beautiful men to know how to shine their own light and to be their best selves. I know you're going to love today's conversation and I cannot wait to hear your thoughts, comments and feedback. You can head on over to my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28, 
Facebook Kim Morrison Training. Or if you want to share this podcast, you can do it from the platform of thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. Thank you so much for your five-star rating. It helps us to stay in the airwaves and also helps to direct people to finding this beautiful show with all these amazing guests and quickies. Thank you so much for being a part of the ride. It is an absolute delight to be on this with you. And I look forward to next week bringing you even more amazing gifts and wisdom. Thank you so much. Take care, be kind, and I look forward to catching up again very soon. Enjoy the show. What an absolute delight, an incredible pleasure for me to bring back to the Self Love Podcast a gorgeous being, someone who I really have enjoyed watching expand and grow his network, his wealth, his business, but also the impact he's really having on men around the world. Welcome back to the show, gorgeous Brendan Giebel. Thank you. It's good to be back. So much has happened since we last spoke. For those interested, we did have Brendan on on show 49, but I'd really love it. Perhaps you could talk to us a little bit about how far you've grown, how far you've come, the things you're doing now, but what's really lighting your fire in the whole world of elite men's men's coaching and also your whole expertise around behavior, human behavior? Yeah, well... I think when we spoke last time, I really only was working with a very few amount of clients. And from then, we, over the last three years, we've helped over a thousand men one on one. And it kind of just got to a point where that was draining. Uh, and then we started going bigger and started doing events and running breastwork and, and all sorts of things inside of that as well. And just really started creating a more of a community and a brotherhood, which I think a lot of men is something that they miss and they don't have necessarily in their life right now. It's a, you know, it's hard to make male friends when you get older, I feel. So we're, we're kind of really combining that into, into both elements, which is quite amazing. Um, And it was funny what, you know, we always talk about the why, why do we do this? You know, what's your why that kind of stuff. And, when I first started, it was really strong, but probably over the last six months, I was questioning. I'm going like, "What is it? My why? Like, what's it here for?" And then we did, we ran a three day event last a uh, couple of weekends ago, and I just said something, and I felt it so strongly, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, this is why I'm doing it." So I was, and I don't really know why, but it just it was just something that came through, and I said that we're going to undo the last three or four generations in this generation. And that's what I said. But inside my head, I felt that going in this generation, like my mission is to end though and to redefine what a man is in and undo those last few generations. And so when I felt that, or when I said that, I just felt that I'm like, ah, I found my why I found again, why, what lights me up. So yeah. That's that's kind of what lights me up now in this space. What do you think it is that has undone our men over these last three or four generations in the sense that you found a passion now to help redefine what that means? Yeah, well, if we if we get, take a bit of a history lesson, if we go back into the Industrial Revolution, it was that's when men became just the provider and it was okay to just provide because the payoff of going to work all day and making money and bring that home to the family and be tired and and all that after doing 10, 12, 
maybe even longer days, like that was acceptable, right? And so when providing for the family, the females couldn't go in there and do the work because it was too physically demanding. So then that happened. And then you when you come forward a bit to World War One, World War Two, and obviously showing emotion in those kind of senses would get you killed. You see, still see it in some of the military camps today. They beat them so much and they, you know, try and stop them from feeling and it's very much a suppression game. But you have that combined and obviously when things comp- compound and they one thing is passed on to the other person, it might not necessarily be the best sense. And so monkey see, monkey do. We see our parents doing this, but we might have a skewed perception of it. And so it's just been kind of passed down through generations until we get to this point now where it's not necessarily our fault that we're here, but it's up to us. It's our responsibility to fix it. And it's, I think it's just very much of like this with all of the, with females and how they have risen so much, which is amazing. But it's kind of left a lot of men in a place of like, we don't need to be the provider because females can do it just as much. We we need to be able to express our feelings and we need to be able to protect and provide and do all these things as well. But it kind of le- leaves us in a place where, what is it? You know, what is being a man? Like, what is the definition of that? And there's so much confusion. And um, I found that, you know, most people, they just escape in some way, shape or form, because it's, there's so much going on and you don't know what you don't know. And that's kind of how we've got to this point. I agree. Uh, Do you know, I remember having a beautiful coach mentor. She was in her nineties. She was French and she actually felt women were their own undoing. And it was quite an interesting perspective. And again, uh, you know, it's just an interesting way to look at it, but she felt the rise of women actually became the demise of men in the sense that here we were expecting our men not only now to provide and to be strong and go out there and create a beautiful home or life or safe space for us all to be in in our families, but then we also expect them to vacuum, clean, change nappies and be highly sensitive. And she said women on the front line, women trying to take charge and be the top CEOs or working in military situations on that front line, she felt, in her opinion, was wrong. Now, I don't know what's right or wrong, but I just thought it was a very interesting perspective. She felt also that the 1950s around there, where a man did work really hard in those hours that you're talking about, would come home. She felt that something had gone amiss where we did not acknowledge him as the head of the table. Now, she wasn't sexist. She wasn't biased. She wasn't trying to put women down. She just thought it was a really, they were beautiful traditions. And I guess based on what you're saying with the Industrial Revolution, was almost a giving thanks and a showing of respect for that. Do you feel there's something around the rise of women and our femininity and our feminism and all of that sort of thing that has undermined our men? Or do you think it's something else? Um, I would say it is to a certain extent. But I also believe that because that happened, it was a it was a cry and a call for men to rise as well, and they ne- necessarily haven't, um, as a whole, obviously. And so I definitely do agree that there is parts of it which potentially, you know, have caused 
this for men where they are right now. Uh, but I do think that there's a, there's an element where the, a lot of females were working on themselves. Like a lot of the personal development events I've been to the last four or five years has been 50 to 90% females. Um, so I think that it was all well and good for them, but I think the, they were improving themselves that, you know, they were kind of doing all this, but a lot of the men just got left behind because they didn't. So I think that, you know, when the when the divine masculine and the divine feminine, when they rise together, I think the world's going to be a completely different place. I think there's a lot of immature feminine and immature masculine at the moment that's kind of running the world. So I think when those two rise together, which will happen, uh, that's when it will be a big difference. Yeah. And also that true leadership. I also remember our beautiful Jacqueline saying, you know, men and women as a couple, as a married couple, it's like, they are the two ox out the front pulling the card. Now, sometimes one of them might fall over, but the other one stands strong while that happens and allows that person to find their way back so the two of them can continue on the same path. I guess where I'm coming from with this is our mums and dads are the first people that teach us when we come into this world. And as you said, generationally, we've been passed down information, monkey see, monkey do. And yet today in this day and age, we've found ourselves with men like yourself rising and wanting to lead the way, to shine the light. Do you think men are starting to feel comfortable doing the self-work, working on themselves and actually wanting to rise? Or is there still a little bit of uh, resistance in your opinion? Uh, yeah, there's still lots of resistance. <laughs> uh, there is a lot that are going, you know, I think I need to do something. And I don't know how many times I have heard I should have done something years ago, but it's not until something bad happens in the external world for them to go, oh, I better do something. Kind of like a, they're asleep almost and something happens, like maybe their wife leaves them or maybe an accident happens or maybe whatever it might be, it happens and then they it kind of wakes them up. So it's not until then I feel it. a lot of people, a lot of men in particular are just waiting for something because it's like oh yeah it's not too bad because you don't know what you don't know right but i can see in a lot of like a lot of on my ads and in a lot of comments and stuff there's still a lot of men that are still in that mindset of like you know just suck it up you know we got told taught to stand on our own two feet and not wind you know i still see lots of it everywhere uh and yeah there's definitely i think i think we are very much on the the still at the start of it i think you know over the next five years you'll see a lot more men doing the work um as it becomes more known and especially as we grow we're gonna there's gonna be a lot of people that come and see us throughout the, the next five years as well so i think it's uh it's getting there i think a lot more men are open to it but there's still like i was talking to someone at the gym the other day and i was just mentioning what i do and he's like wow i didn't even know there was things like that out there so I think it's very much, um, in, yeah, still very new, but it's definitely growing more and more for sure. Let's talk about you personally. I mean, you've been on your own journey. How did it open for you? And what were the triggers or the suggestions or the experiences that made you realize you needed to step up and find your own self? Um, yeah, well, if we go back a long time ago now, it's, 
I was just very shy, very unconfident uh, growing up. I didn't really like talking to people. I wanted to do my own thing. I can remember sitting on the school hill um, and my mates, it would have been like grade 10, my mates were like talking to girls and I was just sitting there, you know, quiet. I didn't have anything to say, just sitting there watching. Uh, and there was a number of times it kind of happened like that and I remember being in the regatta in Brisbane and uh, I'd only had like one or two drinks and I got cornered by these, not cornered, but these two girls and they were very attractive. They said something to me uh, and I just kind of make myself, I made myself that nervous that I physically had to vomit and I was like, there's something wrong with me. Like what's wrong with me? And it kind of happened a, a bit and then I went on, I was working fly and flat. I developed eating disorders. I was uh, binging and then binge eating and then I, you know, feel guilty and try and shove my fingers down my throat. So a lot of these things happened. Um, and then I got to a point where I was like, I'm done. I've had enough. And, you know, I was living in South Brisbane at the time. I nearly jumped off the edge of the, the building. Uh, but it was, there was something in that moment that was like a real deep voice. And I've, I have heard it a few times now when I've done some breath work and, kind of just said, are you really going to give up that easy? And it was in that moment I made a decision and it was really that just that decision of like, no, I want to do better. Like, you know, I'm not going to give up. Although it didn't take, it didn't happen straight away. It took a long time, but it was just a journey for me that went for about six years until I got to a point where I was doing pretty well. I was in construction and I was running some pretty major civil projects and I was found that so enjoyable helping other men like you know obviously i was it's a very male dominant industry so i was helping them and i was like you should do this you should do this and then and i was just reading books and and you know going to online events and and doing all that kind of stuff i'd never really dived into the stuff that we're doing now but then someone said to me i was working down adelaide at the time someone said to me they're like you should do this uh, and at the time it was an NLP and talent therapy course. And that was when I first kind of got into like, wow, there's so much more underneath the surface. And when I started that, it was just like, wow, what's next? What else can I uncover? You know, like what else can I learn? What else can I um, come back to myself really? How, what other limitations can I pull off? And the more that I do this, the more that it is, it's, it's just coming back to yourself, coming back to yourself and, um, the more that you pull off those limitations, the more you can just experience and enjoy you for who you are. But for so many people, men and women, I would suggest, as you say, they're just doing life, they're breathing, they're doing maybe what was expected of them or maybe what they have thought was expected of themselves. Uh, you know, Maybe go to school, get an education, get a job, work your butt off, buy a house, get married, have kids, and then you die. <laughs> it's kind of like this pattern where we forget that we are these human beings having this very spiritual and very emotional and mental and physical journey. Do you think then it's by accident that we get introduced to some of this work like you've mentioned, or do you think it's not for everybody? How do we bring everyone together on this ride as a collective force? Mm. Well. You, I think it was the Dalai Lama, his heart math, oh, heart, the energy that his heart puts out goes, it went several Ks. So, and it's been studied, 
you know, and I think more and more with the Heart Math Institute that you can influence someone if someone has a if someone works on themselves and their heart grows bigger, obviously that the energy and stuff they put out it influences a lot of people. So I don't think that it's don't think necessarily everyone has to do it. But I do know that the ripple effect from someone doing the work is is amazing and how it shifts. So I think the more people that uh, are open to it and then their collectiveness and their their consciousness raising raises the consciousness of everyone. I think they uh, you only need to raise the consciousness of four to, of the world of four to five percent, which will then massively change everything. Um, so I don't necessarily think it, the goal is to to help everyone, but it's just the ones who are. It's just like, you know, let's light all these little lights and, you know, and there'll be enough light which will then shine the, will then shine light on all the darkness and we won't have to worry about the darkness because it'll be uh, lit, if that makes sense. Mm. But what's your thoughts then around everything has polarities and balance that in order to have the light, there has to be dark. So I think you're right. It's not about everybody having to do this, but it's about having the space and place where we can all go when there is darkness. What's your humble opinion then on all emotions, anger, resentment, grief, fear, loss, all of these things, they are natural human emotions but they can become limiting or they can actually hold us back or they can stop us serving our higher purpose. Could you explain to us a little bit about the fact that you're not saying that there won't be any darkness, I'm imagining, but it's about how to get through those moments so that we don't stay in them for long times or for generations? Yeah, 100%. It's, um, I believe that emotions are just feedback mechanisms uh, and it's it's all part of the human experience, you know, if we didn't have it, it would be extinct. We wouldn't know what happy is if we didn't have sad. So we need to have it, to, as you said, to have the polarity. I think it's not necessarily the ability or to not feel those things, but it's ability to go, okay, cool, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling frustrated, pissed off, whatever it might be. But it's the ability to not stay there and to, to get back to a neutral state or even um, you know a more joyful state as quick as possible. You know, I, the amount of work that I've done, and you're probably similar, there's times that you get angry. There's times you get annoyed or, or frustrated or sad or whatever. But I know that I don't have to stay there. And it's a it's a choice that I can go, right, you know, what's the feedback for me in my external world that's telling me this? How can I get over that, essentially? How can I let it go? And then I can go back to a natural state of you know being neutral or, or happy or, or whatever it might be and I, and just sorry yeah, no no I was, I was just going to say I really love that because I think what you're saying is we have permission to feel these feelings is what I'm hearing and it's not about you suppressing them or pretending they're not there is are you suggesting then there's a process or there's a way in which we can manage these emotions or use them as purely what you just said as a feedback yeah, a bit of both. Um, to give to give you an example, like for doubt, which a lot of people experience, when I feel doubt or that 
I'm doubting something, I use it as kind of like a bit of a check of going like, have I got everything in order? Like I might be doubting we might have an event coming up and it's like I might have a bit of doubt towards it. I'm like, okay, cool. So this is a feedback. Like what's it trying to teach me here? What's it trying to tell me? And so I'll go through and I'll make sure everything's kind of in order. I've got everything in check, this and that. And then the doubt just kind of disappears. Uh, So that's one example of a feedback mechanism. But the other thing is, is really just going, I am feeling this first, acknowledging it. Second is saying, is it okay if I feel this, you know, and am I willing to allow myself to feel it? And then am I willing to let it go? And kind of asking yourself those four questions and just allowing yourself to go through that process in a moment is enough to go, well, now I know that I am feeling it. I'm willing to feel it, that I can let it go. And then it just kind of dissolves, right? Because an emotion only lasts for 90 seconds and unless you there's something there that holds it there. Um, and so, yeah, just going through that process and, and allowing yourself to feel it, acknowledging it, and then saying, I, I can let this go. I don't need to hold on to it. I can let it go. That's kind of enough to be able to let it go in that moment. But then if you bring in a thing called the ego and Mm -hmm. when we feel like the other person or another person or group of people have wronged us and there is elements and parts of us that may want that person or people to pay for that or we feel cheated by or we feel that why should they do this or that? Like I'm, I'm just thinking of relationships and breakdowns and things like that the most parts that I found people struggle with is actually not only owning their emotions, but also realizing that other people's behavior doesn't have to equal their uh, matching behavior or allowing their ego to come in. Could you talk to us a little bit around how our ego can sometimes mar or or not give us an accurate feedback? Yeah, for sure. I, I A lot of people think ego is bad, but to me, the ego is designed to keep you safe, and that's that's what it's there to do. It your ego doesn't like being attacked. It doesn't like, or anyone's ego doesn't like being attacked. It doesn't like being told what's wrong, and it's there to protect you. And so, in doing that, it will then come up and say, you know, you should do this, or you know, it will kind of like defend you almost. And so, a lot of people don't realize that, and so. The things too is they project onto everyone else what is going on inside of themselves, which then is, say for example, someone's feeling frustration. They then project frustration into their external world, and then they find things that their partner is going to be. They're going to be frustrated at their partner, but it's not necessarily their partner. It's the the emotion that they're projecting onto everyone else. And it's the same in all sorts of things. A lot of people don't like accepting their responsibility, so they push it unconsciously or even consciously. They they project it onto others, which then they, it gives them someone to blame because they don't want to take the responsibility for themselves. And that's the role of the ego because the ego doesn't like that. The ego doesn't want to take responsibility. You know, the ego doesn't want to go, yeah, this is me, I'm wrong, because it's that's it's not easy. It's not pleasurable. And so... Understanding that is a is a big key to to understand too that the ego is not an enemy, it's just there to to protect you and keep you safe. Um, and then you something else is to always just go, you know, what am I projecting onto this person right now in this in this sense? 
in the in whether it's an argument, whether it be uh, you know something little, and whether it's even got anything to do with the relationship, or whether it's from work or something else that's happened. It's it's really you've got to be really conscious of what you're projecting onto everyone else. But many people aren't conscious and many people don't want that consciousness. And also for a lot of people, and this is an interesting point of view that I'm curious to know, you work a lot with men, I work a lot with women. (laughs) (laughs) And um, what I found is that sometimes there is blame on the other side or it's their fault or it's not my fault because of what he or she has done. What's your thoughts then if there's only one person in a relationship doing this work, really trying to work on themselves, you know, lift themselves, find a better pathway, maybe meet their ego in a loving way, all of the work that we offer. What's your thoughts or what would your advice be to someone who is on this path, but maybe they're doing it alone, their partner doesn't want to or hasn't chosen to yet? Yeah. Firstly, there's a saying that I always say, you know, if we don't grow together, we grow apart. Now, that's not necessarily meaning that if one person's doing the work, then they, they're they going to grow apart. But it's super important to kind of just understand as well. I think a lot of people, when they do start doing the work, whether they consciously do this, they may think that they start, that it like kind of feeds the ego a little bit saying like, oh, I'm doing the work, you know, so I'm better almost. It's it's good to notice that, but I think coming back to the question is if someone's doing the work and the other person isn't, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just not for them right now. And I think the best thing really is to just show how much in improvement some person is doing rather than tell it. And then the other person in the relationship might pick up on that and go, you know what, I can see how much it's changing. I want to start doing these things. There's a lot of... Uh, I've seen it happen a lot where a lot of females are doing the work and then they go, okay, cool, maybe I need to do this. Because the more that you try and push something onto someone else, the more that they're not going to want it just because it's they're pushing against it, back against that. Um, and I think too it's just kind of like really just creating that curiosity um, and not necessarily you need to do this or you want you to do this, but even just start you know, t- sharing about experiences and talking about different things that go through um, whatever might come up or whatever might people work through and kind of like just create that curiosity rather than trying to push them into something. Mm. Well, I think there's that beautiful, I don't know if it was Wayne Dyer, but change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. Mm. So the more work you do on yourself, the more externally you'll notice things are changing anyway before your eyes. And that is one of the most beautiful things about doing the work is that it's really a self journey. It's not about projecting it onto others, is it? And so what I'd love to know then is in your world with men, how can we help? How can we as a society help our men and of course help our women but what is it that we can do individually and maybe as a collective to support this generation to redefine itself it's a good question i think for a lot of men too there's still a lot of that like you know i don't want to be seen doing this or you know it's i should be able to do it myself um which was a thing that i believed too for a while and i i know it's quite common i do hear it a fair bit i should be able to do this my own like you know if but i think we forget you know as a kid we always ask for help 
you know, help me with this, you know, help me with this. But then over time we we lose that. So I think one thing is is really just letting everyone know that it's okay to to do that. And you think about in any area of life, the quite fastest way to get somewhere is to get someone to help. You know, it's simple because you can you can take forever trying to figure it out for yourself or you can get someone to help. So I think that's a super important piece is to just let everyone know that it's okay and even for anyone else that wants to do the work that it is okay to do it and it is more beneficial and quicker to get someone to help. Uh, in terms of in terms of like as a community, I kind of feel that the community is doing a lot, but if you if you go back to um, what we we're talking about before with the suppression and, and that kind of stuff, there's three ways that we really handle emotions: suppression or repression, which is unconscious. We escape, which is obviously there's <laughs> the liquor industry and the entertainment industry love that, but there's also another one that's expression, and so you can see all everywhere. There's like it's not weak to speak or, you know, are you okay day and all these things, which are amazing, don't get me wrong. But talking about things doesn't fix it, as you would know. And so the when you express it, it just expresses enough until we repress the rest. So we only just kind of let the pressure off and, and get it out and then it comes back and then we're, we're in a no better spot. Um, so I think it's very beneficial to not only just seek someone like if someone's wanting help and and to create that space where okay cool like you've spoke about this but if you keep speaking about it or someone keeps speaking about it keep telling themselves the same story they're going to keep believing it's like if you wake up in the morning and tell yourself that you're sad and depressed you're going to every morning you're going to believe it if you wake up every morning say that you are a multi-millionaire eventually you're going to become it because you keep telling yourself that so i think the whole piece of talking is and pushing people to talk is good to a certain extent but i feel like the more we kind of do that it's actually becoming less beneficial to to men and i think a lot of females for example they say you know they want to speak and they want to talk to their partners but one they might not know how to and also that expression for men isn't necessarily the thing that really is going to to help them so I think it's really just going and and giving options as well, saying, you know, this is here, this is here, this is here, and understanding that no one's ever stuck the way they are. And most of the things, we don't necessarily have programs, they're just problems. Uh, so we don't necessarily have pro problems, they're just programs that have been running from younger. And when we can unplug the program, it, it makes a big difference. And I think a lot of people just understanding that it's when you can tap into the unconscious and, and let go of these things at an unconscious level, that makes a big difference rather than just trying to verbally talk about them because most times we're not even conscious of what's holding us back. No, and I think that's a really big key uh, point to make. You know, I, I've often looked at some couples and she, the the woman, might be doing some work and she's going through processes, she's she knows she's not happy, she's protective of her children, and yet her partner um, seems to be on a path of self-destruction through alcohol, drugs, medications, even prescriptive drugs. 
and it's very, very hard to watch. And I've, uh, you know, I've worked with women in these situations to the point where they ask him to leave or they themselves leave. And the hardest part I found for them to make any decision is the fear that they're actually going to make it worse or they're hurting this person that they actually do love. What's your advice when you watch someone you love, whether it's a partner, a child, a parent, pretty much on the pathway of self-destruction? How do, or what would you say for us to support them through that? Or what is the best thing to do to someone like that? You can hand them a piece of paper and say, do this course, but that's that's not necessarily going to cut it, does it? Yeah. Um, I think, as I was saying before, like trying to force them to talk and, and ask them, constantly ask them is potentially is pushing them back down that same pathway to do that. Um People don't do things for for no reason. Like there's a reason for that. And what would be my first thought would be to just be mindful of what it is that you're saying to the other person or what it is. Like if someone's there going, I think you should do this, I think you should do this, I think you should do this, then they're naturally going to go, oh, this is too much for me. I need to, what can I do that's going to escape this? reality essentially and so they'll they'll continue going down that path um i also think too is is trying to understand like why are they doing that like what is what's going on for them to feel the need to do that and put kind of put yourself in their shoes to be able to see what's going on the more that we generally the more that we like we don't want something to happen we're kind of in the process of helping it happen almost as well and I think the more that if we reject it, the more it can happen as well. So it's really just coming to terms with it and going like, okay, cool. Like what is in this for me to learn that's going to help? How can I be thankful for this? How can I be grateful for this situation? Because obviously it's making you better in some way, shape or form. But then also trying to put yourself in their shoes and be like, what's going on for this person to to feel the need to do this? Like why... Do they feel they need they need to go down to that destruction and you know take all those different substances and all that kind of stuff as well? So it's you know it's a hard one. It's, there's not just a simple answer of like do this and it'll be finished, fixed, you know. But it's really just trying to understand why people do things because they're not they're not doing it for no reason. And if you can put yourself in their shoes, you might actually start seeing like oh this is you know making some links and, and seeing some things. And also, it's too. It's not about telling them what is going on is bad, and it's like making them feel guilty because no one likes feeling guilty. And that, in my experience, guilt, shame, and regret are the three things that keep people in substance abuse because they don't want to feel them, and so we just escape, and that you know allows us to not feel them. So by saying you keep doing this and it means that you're going to lose the family, you're going to lose this, blah, blah, blah. Like that's just kind of adding to the cycle. So I think it's it's important to try and find out like what benefit is it giving them? How is it helping them by them doing that? And then find some healthier ways to fulfill that benefit rather than the unhealthier ways of substances. Yeah. Can I, do you mind if I take a detour here? There's something that's very much in the world at the moment, and this could be a, a triggering conversation or topic, 
but it seems to be abuse and domestic violence is just, it's in our faces. I can't even watch the news. Um, it seems to be very prevalent, youth crime. Is it is it the media portraying this? Is there a problem in our psychology? What is all this domestic violence and abuse about? Have you given it much thought? Um yeah, kind of. I don't really watch the news, so that's why it's not in my face. But I do I do know bits and pieces about it. Well, you know, it always and and keep an open mind here, but it always takes two to tango. And especially in a d- domestic violence sense, I think it, it always takes two to tango. And so a lot of people then become a victim. And if you're a victim, you've got you can't fix anything. Like you're there's no responsibility there and so as we said it's, it can, can be a, a sensitive topic but the whole point of me saying this is to give someone the power to then be able to not live there and that be a reality for the rest of their life and so the it's always like oh this person's a victim this person's the victim and you know when you're a victim you can't do anything as i just said so the the first is understanding like what's my role in this what's my responsibility how did i kind of help create this situation but you think about it too as we said with everything that kind of flows down the we learn and see what we 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 learn from seeing things when we're such a young age and if we see our parents do it and that's our model of relationships like we don't see anything different that's we unconsciously a kid's like oh well mommy and daddy that's how they treat each other because that's all that they know and so sometimes that can go on and that's the little program in the background that then creates that stuff in that when they're older that goes oh well this is how relationships work you know because that's just their program and there's so much out there that says otherwise but if it's an unconscious program most people don't control it know how to control it they just do it and i think that's the same with the youth crime and all that kind of stuff out there as well is they're they're products of their environment right and so i don't necessarily think it's like right now this the the symptom obviously is the children and the youth crime but there's a cause to that problem and we have to go back a little bit to be able to see that so i think in definitely like in the short term like creating harder harsher penalties is going to definitely help with getting this under control but I think it's very much we have to look at a bigger picture and and see how these things have been created because kids don't just mess up for no reason, you know, like then they don't have those things if they're where they come from because they're products of their environment. And when you can kind of work out why that is the case and then start moving through it um, and educating and then, you know, letting go of the the programs that are there that are running and causing them to do that, I think that's that's kind of the answer for that for me i feel and like there's been a number of clients that we've worked with um who have had those kind of tendencies um and you know working through and letting go of the the anger which is obviously something that uh, angered for me is the outcome and like what i've observed it's the outcome it's not necessarily the cause and there's some hurt there's some pain there's some sadness underneath and generally hurt people hurt people and so when you can i think it's just so important for everyone to just do their bit of working through their own stuff and i think eventually like all this is just going to just kind of kind of fizzle out i feel um and i i just think that 
there's there is a lot going on but there's probably also a lot that we don't see and hear about as well and i know for working with a lot of men some of them like they're a bit ashamed of saying that and so they don't say anything they don't um raise it they don't do anything so yeah i kind of that was a bit of an answer Mm -hmm. all over the shop but there's yeah there's just it's It's not just a one answer is it no no and it's yeah there's so much do you think that um i guess from this perspective of and as you say, it's deep. It's way deeper. Do you think this is part of your motivation to actually help men rise to being the men that they were destined to be? No man was raised or, you know, no man was born into this world to beat up on people, to create youth crime, to abuse their partners or families or kids. As you say, it could be learned in behavior or an environmental effect. So therefore, you running programs the way you run them, you helping men to rise and to appreciate their masculinity and the love of what it is that they can do in this planet, is that part of why you're so driven to do what you do? And if so, could you explain to us a little bit about your programs and exactly what men could expect if they come into it? Yeah, definitely. It is a a big factor. You know, I had a, a pretty good childhood, but... Uh, my father was working all the time and he was just doing his thing, which was probably like a lot of people. And I didn't necessarily get the attention I want. And so for a big driver for me was to, I don't want to give my future kids that. I want to be there for them. I want to, you know, give the attention and love that they want. And if I can help any other man do that while I'm doing it for myself, then it's a win-win for, for everyone. So that's a big factor. And just to go back a little bit, I think, with everything that's going on, a lot of men, if they don't have, if they don't know who they are, they don't know where they're going, they're just going to end up floating around and crash and burn and probably take out a lot of things as well. And a lack of male role models is a big factor in this world. You know, even on the, a lot of celebrities now are not someone that want people want to look up with, uh, sorry, look up to. Um, and so the not having a meaning and purpose and direction and stuff in life is one of the biggest things I think is that's holding so many people back, men specifically. Um, and most people know that, but they're just not, they think they don't. Well, there's, there's so many, so much of the lower self that's stopping them from doing that. And having a community where like if you get caught up in a community that are doing things you know, youth crime or, you know, doing all sorts of other stuff like that, then you're going to become one of them or someone's going to become one of them. So what we're doing in our programs is really combining personal development with men's work because a lot of there's a lot of men's work out there, there that are good, but they sit down and they kind of just talk about their things and they don't necessarily fix them, um, which is, you know, each to their own. But we combine the best of that plus we bring in elephant sorry elements of spirituality where there is a lot of spiritual based practices and stuff out there which are a little bit too woo woo i suppose for a lot of men so we can kind of combine personal development with that spirituality and meet straight down the line with just doing men's work uh, that gives men a place to almost like free themselves from whatever's going on and let go of all of that stuff that's right down stuck 
under the surface. Like we have men that come through the programs that have have held on to things for years. Like there was one guy recently, he was about 60, and he'd been held, holding on to something since he was in grade five. And he'd never told anyone and never did anything. And, he, you know, he started working through it and it was gone. And it was like, wow, that's so amazing that, that something like that can happen. Um, and so that's the really the basis of the programs is is really just allowing men to come back to their true selves, to pull off the limitations. Um, and when you can love yourself, when you value yourself, when you're happy within, you obviously attract that into your life. A lot of people who are unhappy within themselves, they're going to attract unhappiness in their life. A lot of people who don't value themselves, they're going to attract situations in their life where they're not feeling valued. Uh, and so when you work on yourself, you then create those situations and create that and attract that into your life. So that's kind of the basis of those programs, right? And, and it's really just allowing men to come back to themselves uh, and also give them a, a brotherhood, a, a community where they can connect with other men and you know, some of our high level programs, the guys are always looking forward to our calls each week. They're like, you know, it's kind of like a little family. And I think just by us doing that, which is obviously going to flow on to help everyone else and the more conscious men that we have and unconscious parents, they're obviously the ripple effect is going to be amazing. I just, I feel such a warm glow in my heart appreciating the rise of consciousness for men and women and therefore the rising of our children and future generations, you know, given there's so many challenges, so many demands and so many things we don't even know will be problems or brilliance in the future. It's just so wonderful when we have conscious, consciously driven humans that want to parent and raise children in a healthy, happy way. Mm -hmm. In your opinion then, family, I mean, it's the epicenter of all things and being the best example, whether you have children or not, but being the best you can possibly be, learning this work, going through programs, reading, listening to podcasts, uh, audio books, all the things that we can do to feed our hearts, minds, bodies, and souls, they're all acts of self-love. In your humble opinion, right here, right now, what would you say is your definition of self-love? Um, my definition of self-love is to come back to yourself to let go of the things that aren't serving you and also the more that you and actually not like not just saying i love myself or like i do this but actually come back and and feel the love but also taking time for yourself talk to yourself the way that you would would talk to your daughter for example um and yeah just showing you appreciation and i think gratitude as well by you know like look at our body like we have a fully functioning body there's people that would kill to have that you know our hands if you look at our hands you've got all of these just how all these muscles work together and how we can just move all these fingers in different direction you know you could i could go on forever so i think self love is really just appreciating yourself so many people depreciate themselves they feel shame guilt all this and i think that in itself is a way of not self loving yourself so appreciating yourself appreciating appreciating what you got and just becoming the best version of yourself then that's kind of my definition of self-love is appreciating yourself and doing what you can to be better mm -hmm. 
I love this so much. Through your experience of one-on-one coaching, high-level executive coaching, elite men's groups and things like this, do you have any stories? I know you've shared the odd one in today's conversation, but is there any beautiful story that comes to mind of someone who maybe was hesitant, maybe even a little bit resistant about coming along to one of these programs uh, or maybe even showed resistance for some while and then kind of opened up and then their worlds changed or have got better. Do you have any examples for us, maybe younger men, middle-aged, older men, anything at all that you could share with us that would inspire us to understand the work that you do? Yeah, for sure. Um, There's one that recently just went through our program's like our, our event not last week and the weekend before there was a guy i was saying before he was 60 and he actually even rung one of my uh one of my team members on the thursday before it saying what's this gonna do for me i'm 60 you know i'm lonely all this kind of stuff he's just lost some people in his family and that kind of stuff and you know the first program the first thing that we went through um something happened and you know there's a lot of shame and that kind of stuff around it and there was a simple thing that I won't go into details too much, but what happened, he then realized in a, in that second that that shaped the way he treated everyone else and how it kind of created the success for himself. And in that moment, he just started crying, but it was like a tear of gratitude, like, wow, this helped me so much that I didn't realize. Um, and so he kept going and he was just getting like breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. It was quite amazing. Um, and he's, you know, a 60 year old dude that was like, he's even joining us in our next program as well. Um, and so there's, he also had something else where he was, uh, abused as a young kid, didn't tell anyone, didn't do anything, couldn't even drive past some certain, um, iconic places because of different things that had happened. Um, and yeah, he just kind of really needed just to know that the younger version of him to let go of the guilt and the shame and and the thinking that it was his fault just letting all of that go unconsciously it, it changed him and he looks literally looked 10 years younger at the end of the three days mm-hmm. then on the end of the breathwork experience at the end of that he just he called it his ex exorcism he goes i let a lot of demons go so that was mm-hmm. that was just really one there was another one who was only very not very young but he was in terms of the people that come through our program he was fairly young in the early 20s and he had a pretty up pretty tough upbringing in Nepal and had a a lot of trauma and that kind of stuff going on um and some of the stories that he, he mentioned I was like wow how can people do this at school and stuff and um when you can find that there's always a divine order in everything there's always a reason and there's a benefit to how things are happening when you can become conscious of them you can see how it's helping you and how it's served you and what's come from it you can then let it go and be at peace with it and almost get you know tears of gratitude in in that moment um and so the amount of times and again he looks so young he he looked so much younger too he actually looked his age when he first came i was surprised how young he was because i'm like he didn't look like that he didn't look that he looked a lot older than that. So I think letting go of the physical as well, it's quite amazing that the stuff that happens and the the physical body looks different just from letting go of some of 
the, those unconscious things that we hold on to and we so many people fight for their limitations so hard that they just need to let go of them and realize a, a complete different side um so yeah there's a couple of examples so so beautiful and so empowering i can say this as a mother of a son just how liberating it is to take him to personal development programs, business executive programs, listening to other men share their stories, watching how women behave and respond, seeing how he, as a young man, can actually shape his own future, but also has the power to live the life that he truly wants to live. It's it's mind-blowing, and it's so inspiring. And the same for my daughter. Um, being in this world, she's learnt NLP and done her master's in this, and the conversations that we have are much higher level. And I'm not to say that you don't have funny, quirky, little lighthearted conversations, but when you really need to look at something in the eye or when you really have to challenge yourself or look at what it is that you need to learn or grow from this, it's really empowering to have those beautiful conversations. I know you don't have children, but it is something that I imagine is on the on the path for you. How do you think you're going to want to approach fatherhood? Or if you could advise your father on how he could have been, not that we'd ever want to change and everything has a divine purpose, but what would be something you've learned from your own, and I know how much you love your dad, that you've learned from him that you would also love to maybe take into your role as a father? What's important to you in that role? Yeah. Um, for one, it's just understanding that my kids are going to look up to me, whether like I'm going to be their role model, whether I think so or not. And obviously working through so much, I can I can see how much we are programmed by our environment. So for me, it's going to be very much of a, a thing of letting go of control too and knowing that they're going to just have to figure things out for themselves as well and not try and control every little bit um, because I have saw bits and pieces from my niece and nephew and that kind of stuff and they do things and I'm like, oh, what happens if this happens? So for me, it's going to be a very much uh, of a thing of just kind of like letting go and going, you know what, I just got to be the best dad I can be and and know that everything will kind of work itself out and, you know, at least I'll have this t- the skills to help them when they're 18 or whatever. So that's one yeah. thing. But I think it's just really just the attention and being the best role model I can be. Once I kind of nail those two, I feel like everything else will just fit, fall into place really. And also really appreciating something I've learned for myself as a parent is you know, we also have bad days or bad moments. We also get tired. We also have reasons for why we do or don't do things well or do do things well. And it's recognizing that, but having the courage to look within. I think that's probably been the biggest learning. I remember saying to both of my children as teenagers, Danny was away a lot. And I remember just looking at them, we were all having a meltdown. And I just, I think humor was is probably one of the best things to help diffuse it. But I just looked at them and I said, you know, I've never been a 46-year-old woman you know, going through menopause, but also raising a a 15 and a 16-year-old children. You've never been 15 and 16 with a 46-year-old menopausal mother with also a father away. Like this is new territory. Everything is new. And it kind of almost paved the way for us all to forge a way together as a unit rather than an us and them. 
And I also remember as a young woman before I had children, isn't this interesting, Brendan, you'll appreciate this, there's no accidents, but my first client that came in was bedraggled and exhausted and just said how much she finds teenagers a complete pain in the butt, that they are aggressive, that they've got attitude, that and everything she said, I remember thinking, oh gosh, don't know if I want kids. The very yeah. next client I had came and I said, how? And she goes, you know, I just find teenagers so interesting. They have their own view of the world. They're not an adult, but they're not a child. They're blunt. They're real. They're open. She goes, it's so freaking refreshing. And I remember in that moment, I was in my 20s thinking, what two incredibly different perspectives. So I guess my point in this is if we can learn what we can learn through programs like what you offer, if we can be the best that we can possibly be and show up in our best possible way, if we can be curious nonstop about all of human behavior, including our own especially, but also be open to learn. I think these are just some of the key things that we're not so hard on ourselves. What would be the advice you'd give to any parents out there right now? What would you say to them in order to be the best that they could possibly be? Yeah, the first thing I would say is if you focus on the deficiencies of or the things you want to change in your children, that's where all your focus is going and you're going to continue to draw those situations and be conscious of those situations. So I think it's important firstly is to really appreciate your kids for the good and the bad because that's what unconditional love is, right? Unconditional love's not liking this is not just loving one side, it's it's both. Um so that would be the first thing is just to acknowledge that. And also too is as you were saying before is to understand that you know Everyone's just really trying to just figure it out for themselves. And sometimes we stuff up, sometimes we don't. But don't beat ourselves up. And I think a lot of us can learn so much from kids, especially around, you know, we are just really grown-up adults. And so I think we take life a bit too serious from time to time, including myself. So learning a lot from your kids and understanding that they're the biggest, te- one of the biggest teachers. Um, and, yeah, just continue to show up do the best you can and appreciate what you've got appreciate the the good in your life with them and try not to focus on all of the deficiencies that you may perceive they have uh and then the more you can enjoy it the the better it's going to be couldn't say it any better it's just so beautiful to hear your words of wisdom Um, I know that there'll be people listening to this that would love for their son, their brother, their father, their uncle, any of the beautiful men that they treasure in their life that they feel. And and we're not talking people have to be broken to do these courses. This this is like a fine tuning. You're someone who I look at that helps you to sharpen the pencil or to level up and take and put more color in the pencils. But what would be, could you tell us what would be your next programs? How can we find out more about you? If someone was going, I'd love for this, or I'd love to get this as a gift for someone for Christmas. How can we find out more about what you're offering? And could you tell us what is on offer over the next six to 12 months? Yeah, for sure. So um, we run four hour events, four or five hour events, which are only, they're $17. We, I send all the profits to charity anyway, but it's more just a commitment in people to show up and commitment to themselves. 
And so that's just a real taster to show what we do. And also we do our masculine DNT breast work at the end of that, which that in itself is worth a lot more than the small little investment. So that's really a nice little teaser that we we have men that just come back just to to do those events. And um, they're all online at the moment, but as we get into the new year, we're going to start doing them in person as well and probably have some hybrid things. So we run them once a month. We're not doing one in November, but as of next year, we will. Um, so as of next month, sorry, and we, we continue to do them once a month. Um, so that's that program. It's called Rise, the Men's Awakening Experience. Uh, then we also run the, so the next one up from that is a three-day event, and it's a full deep dive. Like we go quick, we go fast, and we go into it like – the beauty is too, and to go back a little bit, what you're saying is it doesn't matter where someone's at because I'm not doing the work and I don't take any credit for it because they're the ones doing the work. And that's why it's lasting change and that's why it makes such a big difference is because we're not necessarily trying to change someone. We're just pulling off the limitations and allowing them to come back to their true selves and they're doing the work. And so that inside that three-day seminar, that's where we we really dive deep and we work through 10 of the core issues that are holding men back that I found from working with over a 1,000 men one-on-one. We help them with their biggest limitations or uh, unconscious habit or self-sabotaging pattern or whatever that might be. Um, we do a, real, a big piece on relationships too, which is so important and um the biggest thing that stops men from fully opening their heart in a relationship, which then they unconsciously sabotage relationships as well because of that. Uh, and so that in itself, that program is absolutely amazing. Like we have men that walk away from that, just a completely different person, as I was saying before with a few of those stories. And so we run them every couple of months. The next one's in February, the 23rd to the 25th. Um, and they're both online and in person as well. Um, and then obviously we've got other programs and stuff after that, but those are really the main two. Uh, and so on our website, and I'm sure it'll probably be in the link somewhere, they have all of our dates and all of the links to to sign up for different events. And you can even book a call with our team and have a chat with one of them and see which one works best for you. Nice. And just out of interest, someone's out walking or driving, your website? Yes, it is advancedmensdevelopment.com.au advancedmensdevelopment.com.au and is that the same on socials? Uh, no, so on socials it's just my name, Brennan Giebel. So we're, yeah, we're across five platforms now, so I'm sure that you'll find us somewhere. <laughs> I'll make sure it's all in the notes and I'll definitely put all of that in there. I couldn't think of a better gift to give to someone you love to attend one of these and I just want to congratulate you and thank you wholeheartedly for the amount of uh, effort, the amount of heart, soul, love and passion you've put into this project to help raise the consciousness of men to awaken that beautiful fire and incredible wisdom that men hold. And I just want to thank you, Brendan, for everything that you offer. I've heard so many good things about all the people that have attended your events and attended and had the privilege of one-on-one. And that has not come at at an easy pathway for you. You've done the work. You've called. You've been called to it. And again, just congratulations because I, you know how much I love and admire you. If there was a final message for the Self Love Podcast listener, 
what would is it what would it be that you'd love to say to the women who listen to this, to the beautiful men that may be hearing it, and maybe to the person who's yet to hear it? What would be your final message? And maybe you could include your quote. Um yeah, so my final message would be to stop lying to ourselves and believing our limitations so much to be true. We tell ourselves so many lies that we can't do this, we can't do that, that things aren't going to change and all of these BS stories. That would be my my first bit is they're just stories, they're just limitations and, you know, we fight so hard for them. We, we, we lie to ourselves about what holds us back, which kind of leads on to my, my favourite quote, which is by Lao Tzu. When I let go of what I am, I become what I might be. And so life is just a process of letting go and becoming someone else, letting go and becoming someone else and going to, you know, each each layer. Um, so that's it. <laughs> Such a beautiful way to finish the show. Thank you so, so much. If you're listening to this, I cannot recommend that you go and search Brendan's work. You look up his website. I promise I'll have all the links in the show notes. So please reach out. And if nothing else, follow him. His quotes are brilliant on Instagram and all the socials. There is so much magic and so much education in there alone. So yeah, invite our beautiful men. I dare say you're not stopping us women from following you as well. Um, And if nothing else, it gives us the insight perhaps into the other way or the ways in which we each look at the world. Brendan, thank you so much for being on the Self Love Podcast. It's my pleasure. Thanks for everything you do as well. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.